I'm Bianca Vivion, and this is Ask Viv. If I sound damn exhausted, it's because I am. Welcome to episode 14. It's currently 8.04 in the morning. I woke up at 6.47 this morning. I wake up at 6.47 every single morning, guys. And not because I have any real choice in the matter. I wake up at 6.47 naturally every single day. It doesn't matter what time I went to bed. It is an absolutely ridiculous body thing. But I'm up and I really, really need to talk to you all because today's episode, we are going to talk about leaving things behind. And if I had any urgency towards this episode before, I have so much urgency to talk about it now. We are shifting seasons. We are at the tail end of summer, but we are not yet in fall. We are in the heat and in the cool at the same damn time and trying to make something out of an entire summer of feelings. And I made this episode about leaving things behind because I found when I was talking to the people in my life or the general sentiment, maybe it's the astrological weather, is people leaving things behind. Or more so, I should say, people are very, very much attempting to leave things behind. And I say the attempt because I find that so many people, even just speaking for myself, are in such a gray area. Because when you're in the in-between, what I call the thick of it, and I wrote an essay called The Thick of It about this exact time, when you're in the in-between and things that you're hoping for haven't yet come to fruition, and the things that you've left, you cannot go back to, you are stuck... And I've had a summer of nothing but leaving. First, I graduated, which was one type of leaving. And so funny, I think about now about episode 12 and episode 11 when I talked about graduating. And I was so headstrong and damn naive. I spoke so definitively, like, this time of my life is over. It is a new time in my life. And for all the ways in which that is true, I am now really, really learning how damn hard it is to leave things behind. I know that you all have seen, a lot of you who follow me on Instagram, my apartment, my studio, which I was so in love with in Harlem, Central Harlem. And you know, it has these very high ceilings and this wood frame over these very large, massive windows. It's so open space. It's in the smack dead middle of the best neighborhood in the world. And I moved out of it. And everyone was kind of like, why did you leave your studio behind? Why did you leave your studio behind? So much of that choice was not only because of the crazy problems that I had with my landlord, but also just the fact that I had been presented with the opportunity to move to a much bigger space with a much better management and cheaper rent elsewhere. And I also was having such a difficult time leaving that apartment. And meanwhile, all of my closest friends, I mean, quite literally all of my closest friends have moved away in the last three weeks. All of my best friends in New York have moved to Lebanon, to Paris, to Texas, so many different places. Nobody is going to be here for the winter. And so mentally, I am transitioning into a state of solitude because I've not even entered into a phase yet where I will be seeking new friendships for all the things that those people took with them when they left. And then leaving behind friendships and romantic love, so many things that I've had to walk away from because at this point in my life, it would be ridiculous to stay. And so I've been leaving, leaving, leaving. I've been doing nothing but leaving. Where I'm going, I don't know. There's, I have no idea. And I won't pretend that this is a podcast about what to do when you get to the other side, because honey, I'm not on the other side. I'm in the thick of it. And so I'm posing the question, what do you do with that gray matter? What do you do with that transitory state? 
in which you know that you can't be where you were, but you don't know exactly where you're going next, and you don't even know how to get there. And I think that so much of the pain of leaving things behind is that confusion. It's the aimlessness that you feel. Let me tell you all something. The first night that I slept in my new apartment, I woke up in the morning, and my initial thing is to go to my bodega, where I know all of my bodega guys behind the counter, and they make my coffee exactly how I like it every single morning. They already know. I literally just put 175 on the counter, and they hand it to me, and they ask me about my day, and they ask me about the weather, and they everyone gives me a marriage proposal. It happens the same every day. I come to this new block with these new people at this bodega they make terrible coffee and it is a moment that's deeply saddening for me because i realize that this place no matter how much better or bigger it is it is not something that i have yet fashioned into a home and so i just walk away from this bodega and i the next day the next morning i start walking 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 into other bodegas looking for a reasonable bodega to buy a coffee that they will make in the way that I like, but also looking for people who approach me in the same way that the people in my other neighborhood did. And I'm talking about that sort of aimlessness of literally walking out the door and saying, where do I go now? And that is a metaphorical and literal point that we reach in our lives. And that's one of the very obvious surface level pain of leaving things behind is the absence of a good thing. When you had something, no matter what state it's in now, if it was at one point good to you and good for you, or even just felt damn good, because sometimes things are not good to us or good for us, but they damn feel good, because sometimes pain is nice. And the absence of that good thing, it stings, and it stings constantly. It hurts. Just not being able to call that person up, or not being able to go and run and get that coffee, or just feeling lost, because lostness... And aimlessness is something that makes us feel insecure and it's difficult to feel confident. But there's this whole, whole other layer of leaving things behind that's very complicated. And with people, this is the hardest thing about leaving people behind. Yes, one part is the initial sting of absence and that constant wishing that you could call them up. That hurt. But there's this other issue with leaving things behind that is bipartite. It's two parts. And I think it's best summed up by Octavia Butler. She says, everything you touch, you change. And everything you change, changes you. And I think that honestly has summed up best what it's like to really leave things behind. Everything you touch, you change. When you leave someone or something behind, you know that you're giving up the ability to control or influence the thing that you leave behind. Decisions will be made without you. People will become new people. The nice thing about romantic love, more than so a lot of things, is the influence that we have over people. Y'all know when you get a new boo, and they start talking like you, and they take on similar mannerisms, the nature of love, what it is. It's so immersive and such an exchange that you all start molding each other in your own image. It is that influence of love that is so much why we covet it because it's something that we feel we have control over. And when you leave someone behind, you know that that person will inevitably become someone's going to imagine is better or more important than the love that you gave because that's just the ego. And second, everything we change changes us. And part of the very difficult pain of leaving something behind is knowing that in the absence of that thing that you let change you, you will inevitably have to become somebody else. 
And that is a burden and a responsibility. Part of the reason we really like to stay up under people, whether or not that thing is good for us, is because it is very nice to be able to stay the same. It is very nice to be able to say this world is constantly changing and it's very cruel and I don't know what is going to be the same tomorrow that was the same yesterday. So I'm just going to stay the same and I'm going to do it because this person provides this comfort and this person loves this person I am. Never mind if that's the person that you actually need to be. Never mind if that comfort is actually something that is warm and loving and reliable and accountable to you. We like staying the same. And when someone leaves our life, we know that we have to change. And it is both the aimlessness of not knowing exactly what that place is and the pain of that responsibility to ourselves to have to change that causes us a great deal of confusion and we end up in this place that I'm calling this gray area. And so what do you do with that? What do you do with all of the pain and all of the confusion of leaving something behind and being just in the thick of it? Well, I'll tell you what to do. And it's also two parts. One, you remind yourself why you left because the easiest thing to do when we leave something behind is to run back to the place that we were the minute that we get uncomfortable. Let me tell you all a quite literal, it's not a metaphor, it is quite literally something that happened. When I moved, I moved out of my apartment and I literally moved by myself. I I live on now a six floor walk up. I moved my entire apartment up six floors. And when I got here, I started to unpack and I was so overwhelmed by the amount that I had to unpack. I was so overwhelmed by the newness of the space, by the aimlessness and lostness that I felt in the neighborhood that I dead said to myself, just move back. I said, you know everybody on your block, everybody knows you, you feel comfortable, you feel secure, you could pay rent. They They gave you another opportunity for a lease. Literally just pack up and move back. You haven't even unpacked, just leave. I had literally already done the labor of moving up six flights of stairs, but it was the fear of that newness, of that transition state, of being confused and not knowing how the hell I was going to turn this new place into a home after I had built a home out of that other place. And I reminded myself of the cracks in the wall. And I reminded myself of the expense and upkeep of living in such an old building. I reminded myself of the lack of privacy that I had. I reminded myself of the battles that I was having with my manager and with my landlord. I was thinking all the time of the pain that that place caused me. And I remembered what brought me here. And it was remembering what brought me here that told me that I was in the right place. Sometimes when we leave people, Our natural inclination is to call them up the second that we're feeling lonely, the second we get a little tipsy, y'all know what I'm talking about, after 3 a.m. The inclination is to call that person up and to bring that person back because we just want that comfort again. And I was in a place where I was in my ex boyfriend's neighborhood not that long ago. And I was feeling like so overwhelmed by this bougie ass, ridiculous gallery thing I was at. I was feeling so out of place and just lonely. And I was like, I'm in his neighborhood. I call him up. Do you want to get dinner? He's somewhere completely else. Thank God. I woke up the next morning and said that would have been such a bad idea. Put whatever that initial sting is to the side to want more for yourself. I think part of understanding why we leave things behind is understanding that, especially with romantic love, and let me be very specific, especially with men, 
there are men that for all of the love that they claim to have for me, they would not even do me the favor of letting me go. Let me say that again. For all of the love that so many men claim to have for me, they would not even do me the favor of leaving me. Knowing damn well they had nothing to give, knowing damn well they weren't in a space of accountability or reliability. Some of them even had other lovers. They wouldn't even do me the favor of saying, you know what? I love you, but I can't be this man for you. They wouldn't. And so I had to have that responsibility for myself. Let me tell you how you get through this gray area. When you let something go, you say two things. You say, I loved you, so I let you go. But more importantly, I loved me, so I let you go. When I say I loved you, so I let you go, it meant that I understood my capacity. It meant that I was at my wits end, that I had given what I could give, that I understood the relationship for what it is, that I appreciated good love as it came, and I took my L's to the chin, and I said, you know what, I love you, but I'm not for you. And we've reached a point where this is only going to become resentful, this is only going to become toxic, and this is only going to stifle our growth. I am wasting your time, and I know that. And I love you, so I let you go. But more importantly, I loved me, so I let you go. You all are always constantly asking me, Bianca, Bianca, how do we, how do I get self-love? How do I measure self-love? What you say no to, what you leave behind when it doesn't serve you is a great indication of how much you love yourself. There are so many things that we desire, that we could indulge in and saying, no, I'm leaving this where it lays. I did that. I'm not going back to that place. I can't be that person anymore. That's not serving my life. That's how you say, I know that I love myself. Damn if it hurts for a while, it's gonna hurt. This life full of pain, full of confusion. Life is not weddings, graduations, baby showers, birthdays. No, that will take up in collective over the total of your life, those events will maybe take up a collective 70 hours if you're lucky. It's none of that shit. Life is this in-between daily gray area. It is not a wedding. Life is the marriage. It is not the baby shower. It is raising the adolescent teenager that can't seem to put the toilet seat down. That's life. And how are we going to get through this shit? We're going to leave behind every single thing that is not making us feel whole, that is not bringing us to that person that we know we need to be and deep down we want to be. Let me tell you something. Deep down, we know that we have to leave because something always in us wants to be better. Something always in us wants the best for ourselves. And we mute those things and we turn them off and we let people influence that place. But at the basis of who we are, we are freedom seeking and we are love seeking people. And when you can tap into that in the gray area, when you can move through all of, oh yeah, your feelings. I already know. We got more, I got more feelings. Listen, I got feelings to, to, to spare. I got enough feel. I be in my feelings, up in my feelings. I be up in my feelings, like the club and my feelings, the only two places you're going to find me on any given weekend. I be in it. I live there. When you get past that place, when you get out of that place into the calmness and solitude of somebody who is your better self, your higher self, that person will always leave. 
and that person has something in them that can survive leaving something behind. I don't care if it's a bad marriage. I don't care if it is a broken home. I don't care if it is a a toxic relationship with your apartment or your space. I don't care if it's a bad job. You have something in you that has the fundamental ability to not only leave, but to seek better, to find better, and to do better. And that's the thing that when you are in that gray area, no matter where you think you're going or you don't know, that's the place that you have to seek out. And that's my thoughts for the week. So I'm going to get right into these questions because I know that's your favorite part. Dear Viv, I grew up in a verbally and semi-physically abusive household. Most times I would hide myself and keep my head down in order to try and avoid my father's wrath. He left when I was 16, but now I'm an adult who can't seem to let go from this period of my life. I have a hard time understanding what was really happening at the first 16 years of my life. Those experiences feel a part of me like they define me in some way. How do I live with myself after suffering such abuse? Part of leaving who we were behind and part of healing always has to rely on the fundamental belief that the future is more important than the past. You have two choices. You can either say, this pain from the first 16 years of my life, my life in the streets or my life in an abusive household or or an adolescence spent in the closet or being bullied. It can either be made into something useful to inform and transform a testimony and a narrative and a hope for better or it can become your entire life and you can be one of those people who wakes up at 50 and 60 years old complaining about something that happened when they were 10 saying there's no way I can possibly move past this and And my life will be the result of something that happened 40 years ago. And there will be nobody around to feel sorry for you or take pity on you because nobody takes pity on a 50 or 60 year old person who's just down on their luck because of something that happened 40 years ago. And yet there are so many people in the world that are like that. You have to make a definitive choice to enter into the future. I think that a myth And part of it is that people think that time is linear, that you just, you know, you you enter into the future just by living. No, you make a choice to enter the future. You basically will remain constantly in the past until you make a definitive choice to say, that's yesterday, that's gone. Whoever that person was, don't know them anymore, wouldn't know them if I saw them. And you can become somebody better. And that's the truth. The truth of the matter is, is that it's a, a choice. And I think so much of getting hung up on and stifled by trauma is buying into the myth that there are no choices because choices were made for you by people, choices that you couldn't have consented to, that your life is wholly informed by that. And with parents, you have to understand that even people with good childhoods are a result of their parents. Every single person, basically, until they're kicked out into the world, who they are is a result of their parents' choices. Where you live, what you ate. I was somebody that I grew up and I was eating junk food, sugar, pork, oh my god, for so long. And it wasn't even until I was older that I realized I didn't want to eat pork. Minor examples, but what I'm trying to say is that every single person at a definitive point, their entire personality was a product of their childhood traumas, triumphs. 
and upbringings. And it is a decision to enter into something greater than that. I talked about this last episode. I talk about this every episode. Our default mode is to become our parents. And you forgive your parents not because they deserve it, and you forgive your parents not because you've made peace with the things that they've said or done to you. You forgive your parents because if you do not forgive them, you become them. That is the quickest way, period. There are cer- certain ways in which we inevitably always become our parents. We will look like our parents as we age. We will sound more like our parents as we age. And we will find ourselves emulating our parents in ways that we didn't even know how. But you do not have to become a product of your resentment towards your father. I grew up in an angry and abusive household. I grew up in a household where there was not enough a lot of times. And I'm held to that in ways that sometimes I didn't even notice in the times that I become angry and I become bitter. But I make a definitive choice to be someone else, someone that I imagined for myself. My parents named me Bianca, but I became Bianca Vivion as a choice. And as crazy and literally probably egotistical and ridiculous as that sounds, who you see out in the world that bright, confident person that people seek for guidance is someone that I chose to be. My parents were not raising me to be necessarily a well-adjusted, happy, healthy person, though I'm sure somewhere in my mother's prayer, she prayed for that. The upbringing that I had was difficult and confusing and continues to be, but I make a definitive choice every day that my future is more important than my past, and I make a definitive choice that I'm not going back to that place. They're not taking me back because that was a path to nowhere. I told my brother this last week. He's going through a heartbreak. I told him when people hurt you, when people misuse you, take your love for granted, put you in unfortunate circumstances, getting over it is all a matter of time. And when I say it's a matter of time, I mean, okay, it happened and it hurt and maybe it hurt like hell and maybe she broke your heart you did this for two years so how much more time are you gonna give her in a time of helplessness in a time when we can't consent to pain we give up time we give up energy we give up our bodies we give up our minds we give up so much because we can't do anything we're being taken from But there comes a moment that you're at right now where you have a choice. And so the only question becomes, how much more time can your father have? He took 16 years from you. How much more time are you going to give him? Are you going to give him another 16 years? Are you going to give him another 16 minutes? Or is maybe right now, at this definitive point, the point that you leave behind that person and you say, you know what? You can have that person because I'm not her anymore. I'm not him anymore. What happened to you, whatever it was, was not your fault. And the first thing that in trauma studies they always tell you is you're a victim and what happened to you is not your fault. Okay, and that's facts. You are not responsible for what did happen to you, but you are absolutely 100% responsible for what will happen to you. You are an adult now. What happens to you at this point is completely up to you. It is my responsibility to not be resentful. It is my responsibility to take care of my heart and not engender bitterness. It is my responsibility to be a better parent than my parents were to me. It is my responsibility to not seek out men who emulate the practices of my father. It is my responsibility to know love and to show love. And do you know why? Because this is my life. This is my life. And if a man fucked away three years of my life, guess what? He can't have another three years. 
And if my dad hurt me for 20 years, guess what? He's not getting another 20 years. I've made that decision and I don't know where I'm going, but I know that it starts there and it ends there because this is my life and I'm gonna put up a damn good fight for it. And if I could not protect the girl who suffered through those things, then I will damn sure protect the woman who understands the consequences of them. Dear Viv, I feel like I'm becoming a new iteration of myself and it is time to leave my wardrobe behind. I no longer feel good in the pieces I have or look forward to putting them on my body. What are your thoughts on using style to express identity and how do I start anew? It is perfectly natural when we feel like we're becoming a new person to change our personal style. I've changed my personal style every damn six minutes. And it's partially why I shop vintage and thrift so much because when you thrift, it is actually a very casual thing to just give a bunch of clothes away and then get a bunch more clothes. I think it's much harder when you are one of those people who commits to either a lot of brand new high-end designer or fast fashion retail because it becomes both expensive and toxic to the environment to create these new iterations of yourself. I would say what I do, I always start with my body. I never wear anything that doesn't fit. Because no matter what I imagine the style to be, I always have to come back to what fits and what looks good on my body. And so consider your body, consider what you're trying to signify because clothes are a signifier. If you're going through your, I go through my whole phase. You go through your whole phase, you throw on your short skirts and your crop tops and your tube tops and you you do your hoe phase. You wear your kitten heels and your low rise jeans, like this is 2003 Paris Hilton, and you want to signify to the world, I'm that girl. <laughs> I'm finding my style is changing so much now that I'm transitioning into television and transitioning into a higher profile level of media personality because I want to be taken much more seriously. And the thing about me is that I don't know if I've ever worn a full length shirt. I mean, I literally in 2000, 14, I hosted Oakland's mayoral debate, and my boss literally texted me and told me, wear a full-length shirt, none of your short tops. I still have the text message because it was so funny. And so now I'm thinking like, damn, how do I go onto a CNN or a whatever and still have my personal style but look professional? So, you know, I'm, I'm finding out how to do that. You think about what you want to signify to the world. I love Rihanna because she always signifies to people, I'm that bitch. You kind of see her and you can tell that she has full control over her style. But at one point, Rihanna's style looked very forced and very strange. The first few years of her career, you could tell that it was a product of someone else other than herself. So think about what you want to, if you want people to look at you and say, that is a very conservative person. That person is very reserved. That person is modest. That's a very different clothing style. Clothing is beautiful and it is a freedom because it is a signifier. Everything that we wear is a signifier. And in fact, clothing is a completely public matter. Our style is always going to be a public matter. In the house, most of the time, I'm either in pajamas or I'm half naked, honestly. When I'm in my house, clothes cease to matter. You would think the way that I walk through my house that I hated clothes. When I get outside in the world, I want to signify. And it depends on what I'm feeling. So I think this is just a time where you're gaining more self-awareness and so shop for who you want who you want to be in the world i can't tell you exactly what that is because i don't know what that is you know what that is and i think that using using clothing to express identity whatever that means identity is one thing because i don't really use clothing to express that i'm a black person i use my skin color to express that i'm a black person but everything else when i identify as a hot girl i'm dressing as a hot girl and when i want to be identified as a serious television commentator i'm gonna dress in that designer so you just figure out who you want to be 
be and then go out and you become that person. Dear Viv, this past year I realized that one of my really good friends is actually not a good person. He does not care about anyone but himself. He's always been like that, but it took him fucking over our other friend financially to realize it. I don't want to be friends with him anymore, and I also want to talk to him about his behavior before I cut him off. Is this conversation even worth having? No. I was literally in this exact same situation this summer where I realized that I had reached my wits end with a person that I have invested so much time in as a friend, and I got very frustrated because this person, I knew that if I even had a conversation about how much of a user that they are and how I was pouring into our friendship but wasn't having that reciprocated or how they would talk to me disrespectfully and I really couldn't tolerate that and so I thought yes I could tell this person but if you're going to cut somebody off why even do them the favor the final favor after you've given so much damn labor of explaining to them what they did wrong people don't care honestly it it comes to a point where you want people to be in the same place and you want people to feel guilt Guilt is a useless ass emotion. Guilt is something that people consent to. It is a one of those emotions that is wholly gatekept by the person feeling it. I don't give a damn. If someone wants to feel guilty, they feel guilty. Humans are actually, I think, much more sociopathic than we give ourselves credit for. We can turn on guilt and turn off guilt. Most of the time, if people don't have a natural inclination towards empathy or if people are selfish, they're not going to feel guilty. And sometimes the best thing to show someone how much you meant to them is to just leave them. Just leave them. You don't owe them the explanation of saying this is the reasons I did that because in reality, it's more about who they are. All of us know it takes a damn lot to break up with a friend, much more than a, than a romantic partner. Breaking up with a romantic partner is like whatever, because so much of romance and sexual energy is erratic and manic anyway. And so after the initial sting of letting a lover go, we usually bounce back quick. A friend, friendship is something that we commit to constantly. We're constantly making covenants and acquiescing for friendship. And so for us to leave a friend behind, it's because fundamentally we don't like how a person is. So there is really no specific reason. You already said you knew this. Whenever I walk away from a friendship, knowing how committed I am to friends, knowing how much I love my friends, it's because I realize, and this is where the pain comes from, is that I was wrong about a person. That that person did not care about me the way I cared about them. That that person was not reliable. That that person was not accountable or loving. That's the only reason you even leave a friend. So leave it where leave it where it was. That person can can understand what you meant by your absence. And people never ever ever no matter if they apologize or not, it's never the apology that you want. The only reconciliation is forgiveness. Closure's a myth. Closure's a damn it is probably one of the ri- most ridiculous myths of western culture is closure. There's no such thing as closure. The only closure is forgiveness. Forgive them stop wasting your time and move on dear viv i got my first job working in a restaurant i've made some mistakes in the first few weeks and they are kind of haunting my co-workers tell me that it's okay and forget about it but i'm constantly overthinking and worrying about these mistakes how can i get over mistakes i've made at work first of all congratulations on your first job because that's a really big deal no one ever forgets their first job you're getting to the bag i'm very proud second of all so work is damn hard and let me tell you actually i'm the worst person to take if you have a retail job or a restaurant job i don't even know honestly disclaimer if you should be taking advice from me because i was so bad at those jobs administrative jobs i was a secretary once 
at a library and all I had to do there was sit and answer phones. But it was so damn boring that I would literally go out, take a billion coffee breaks. I would, I remember literally leaving the neighborhood and they were like, this person called, you didn't take this message. And I was like, yeah, but that would mean I would have to sit here. I was constantly going to bathroom breaks. They told me to sharpen pencils or like rechange the ink of the printer. I couldn't do any of that. I was just like, eh, and I can't really do that. And when I was working retail, that was a joke. I literally would give people the wrong change. I wouldn't honor coupons. I would bring the wrong sizes. I was not built for that so let me just tell you like first of all it's hard working is hard and you're not going to always be good at it and i have a lot of respect for people who are excellent at those jobs because customer service is a biatch okay so take it all in stride usually we put too much pressure on ourselves in general at work and we think that everyone is clocking our mistakes in the same way that we are but you're coming to work every day they haven't fired you you haven't burned down the building you're this this economy is hard you're doing it you're doing it so you need to just take on that sense of confidence and know that as worried as you are and paying attention to every detail in just a matter of months you will be paying attention to absolutely nothing and really just watching the clock to pray that you can get off of your shift soon because that's what happens 99% of the times in jobs anyway. And you should relish in the fact that, you know, you're getting to the paper. So you're good. You're good. And I mean, even if you're not good, that's what you have to tell yourself. Wake up and be like, wow, I'm good. I'm the best at this job. Look at you got this. Dear Viv, I'm starting my last year in high school and I have no clue where I want to go. How do I decide whether or not to please my parents and pursue something highly academic or follow my passion for the arts? They're not unsupportive of anything at all, but the migrant mentality is inescapable. To be honest, I don't even know if I want to go to university, and yet I've never worked harder in school. How do I come to a decision or otherwise, how do I break into a creative industry just starting out? I would be fundamentally irresponsible if I told you to not pursue college. College saved my life. Fun fact, I was one of those people that when I was in my junior year of high school, I actually told my mother that if I did not get into a full ride school that I wasn't going to college. I didn't know anything, but my mom, bless her heart, actually entertained it and said, okay, that's fine. Because I didn't understand the freedom that college gives you over your time. And I think that it's a myth when people say, oh, you know, my parents wanted me to pursue this, but I had to pursue that. Because you can do both. I was like an economics minor, so meaning I was like doing hard math and crunching fake numbers about GDPs and whatever, but I was also at one point an architecture major and I was constantly in the art studio, constantly painting. I discovered I was a painter in college and I went to the most highly academic school in the damn world. So I think that there is an irresponsibility in the way that college counselors and parents paint college as if it's a one-sum game. You're a doctor, so you're never gonna be a sculptor. No, the thing about it is that people in college have more creative freedom than anybody because you're only in class like maybe 5% of the time and maybe you get a job, so that's another 10% of your time. But mostly 99% of your time is spent, you know, doing, trying to figure out what to do with all the free time that you have. So give yourself that permission to be that person. And also, this is the time where, and it's so exciting, congratulations on you're about to graduate. 
It's so exciting deciding now who you're going to be separate from the identity of your parents. It starts when you're 17 years old and there's nothing more magical than that time. I miss being 17. And in a lot of ways, I miss it not at all because there is a crippling anxiety and indecisiveness that comes with trying to decide the rest of your life in a single six months. You don't have to, you don't. It's not gonna go anything how you think it's gonna go anyway. I got into Columbia and I thought, oh, well, my life, oh, I'm good now. You know, I'm gonna have money in the bank. I'm gonna be a genius. I'm gonna be working on, it went nothing how I thought it was going to go. And yet, I wouldn't take it back for anything in the world. Take that ass to college. There's nothing else for a 17 year old to do in these streets, period. Uh, Let me just say that first of all also nothing nothing all the people that I left behind that didn't go to college were they're doing the same thing that they were doing when I left them behind and it's not to knock people who don't go to college but I do knock people who have the full opportunity to go to college and won't even bother trying it do I blame the people who drop out no academia is a manipulative toxic white ass place it is very daunting to go to college it is not all fun and games and if you are paying for it which I did not have to it is a whole other level of insecurity but try it because there's dignity to be found in education and you can form relationships with the people around you and figure out who you want to be because you just have some damn time i'm out of college now and i'm also out of time my ass has to get up and decide who i want to be every day because i have to get to the bag because the rent is due and bills are due on the first and 15th honey and i i remember i said damn i took i took that four years for granted it went by like a thief in the night four years stolen for me and i think about how much downtime I had in college and I miss it like hell. I really, really, truly do. Go to college, go to college, go to college. You don't gotta be a doctor, you don't gotta be a lawyer, but get that ass in the class, okay? That's all the time that we have for today, folks. If you've made it this far in the episode, I so, so, so appreciate it. I love you all. Thank you to everyone who wrote me, called me, sent in these lovely letters about my New York Times article. Thank you to all of these people who are listening for the first time because they found me on the New York Times. Going to print was such a crazy and humbling experience that me and my family will never forget. And so I appreciate everyone that shared in that joy. I appreciate everyone that followed me because of that. And I'm going to be writing for the Times a lot more. I'm so happy and grateful to say. So you'll be looking out for regular articles from me, not a column, because they're not trying to give your girl a column yet, but I'm gonna be the youngest Times writer with a column. I'm telling you right now, I don't know when, I don't know how, only God knows, but also as I announced in my last show, I'm starting a new web series called Generational Anxiety with Bianca Vivion, which will be questions all talking about coming of age, current cultural issues, political issues, and we will have guests which is extremely exciting because we already have a few guests lined up. I'm not gonna say anything or whatever, but it's important. But I'm actually looking for a videographer and a production team. So if you are located in New York City long-term, because I had a bunch of people write me who are visiting New York City, if you are based in New York City, please reach out to me via my website and send me your portfolios and your video work because we want this to be high quality, feature-length film-type content. I'm talking Spike Lee, Marlon Riggs, 
Oprah Winfrey meets Quentin Tarantino without the racial slurs type shit. Wherever you are in the world. Guys, we're leaving things behind, but what we are going into, who the hell knows, but this has been the most exciting time of my life. And I wish that for you all. I hope that whatever you've left behind, leave it in the summer. Make a definitive date. Promise me that whatever you thought about when I said, what are you leaving behind? You're not, you're leaving it behind and it doesn't go into October. Let September, the Virgo month, the Virgin month, the month of cleanliness and starting over be a time when you leave whatever that pain is, whatever that thing that you've outgrown, whatever that thing that doesn't serve you, that doesn't know who you are, that's forcing you to stay the same, leave it in the summer because what is on the other side, it will be so good if you let it be. The possibility for the future is absolutely limitless and use my life as a literal example of what can happen when you leave things behind because what my ass left behind and what I traded in for, let me tell you, I wouldn't go back on it for a second. More life, more love, more love. I'm Bianca Vivion and this is Ask Viv. It's over, it's over, yeah I'm leaving. I'm gone, I can't stay here no more And I can't sleep on the floor Man, I'm leaving, I'm leaving You know I got my reasons Yeah, I'm leaving, yeah, I'm leaving Yeah, I'm leaving I'm gone, I'm leaving I'm gone, I've been doing this wrong I've been here for too long I'm leaving, I'm leaving You know I got my reasons Yeah, I'm leaving, I'm leaving I'm leaving, I'm gone. I don't wanna miss the ball. I don't wanna sit in coach. I don't wanna sit at home. I gotta get where I'm going. I'm afraid that I'ma die before I get where I'm going. I know I'ma be alone. I know I'm out on my own. I just gotta hit the road. I just gotta know the road. I just gotta hit the road. I just gotta know the road. Something to say to say that. I just been out and bought from way back when I can't be out here on no 